Hello there. This is the Crunchy Christian Podcast, a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network. I am a master herbalist, aromatherapist, author, speaker, blogger, and veteran homeschooling mama of four. You can learn more about how I can equip you to pursue God's best naturally at my website, julienaturally.com. And now, today's show. Hey everybody, it's Julie. Welcome to the Crunchy Christian Podcast, where we talk everything green and growing that God gave us. Today we're going to talk about dandelions. I know, they're that very... uh, they're everywhere. They're everywhere, and we're always trying to get rid of them in our lawns. Uh, But... I don't know. I have some fond memories of dandelions. When I was a kid, I people used to take the yellow flowers and they would play tricks on you by like rubbing them under your chin. Like, ah, oh, now you have a yellow chin. And they had special names that I have since forgotten. But there are little things like that. And we pluck the seeds off or blow the seeds everywhere. I'm sure you have some fond childhood memories too of dandelions. But today we're going to talk a little bit about some background, some history of dandelions and uh, some medicinal uses of dandelions that maybe you aren't aware of. So we all know what a dandelion looks like. Uh it, and if you don't, they have toothed leaves around the base forming sort of a rosette pattern. And then up from the center comes this uh, purplish, fleshy um, stem that at the end has a ye- bright yellow tuft of yellow. Uh, it looks kind of like a tuft. You might call it a flower, but it's actually a collection of tiny, tiny little flowers. Dandelion is part of the compositae family, kind of like echinacea, the purple cone flower is also, and so are sunflowers. The, uh, The yellow part, as I said, is a whole bunch of single petaled flowers tightly packed into that little in that little head there at the top. And if you look very closely, the flowers are arranged in a Fibonacci spiral, which I think is super cool. God is great in how the patterns appear uh, if we look very closely. And the flowers, interestingly enough, have this delicious nectar that they produce. Those tiny, tiny little flowers have this nectar that bees find irresistible. And it is, they are an important source of nectar for bees for most of the year. And more than 93 other insects have been known to visit dandelion blooms. Can you believe that? That's incredible. So spraying all the dandelions can actually be harmful to the bees. And I don't know if you're aware of the problem with bee populations 
and this sudden death that has been happening to a lot of the hives. They're not really sure why the bees just experienced this sudden hive death, but some people do think that it is partially due to the application of pesticides and herbicides and stuff that bees tend to go out into the fields where those are sprayed and it can be very harmful to bees. And um, just as an aside, when there are no bees, uh, a lot of the fruits and nuts disappear. Uh, In some parts of the world, they have to hand pollinate to get the fruits. Uh, I think Asian pears might be one of those where People have to climb the trees and hand pollinate all the flowers in order to get the pears. So um, just a little aside about the dandelions might uh, might be a little more careful about that. And uh, even though they are pretty abundant, some people think that the dandelions in North America came there uh as the little seeds stuck to the coats and things of settlers and pilgrims as they came to North America. But it's kind of hard to prove because they are pretty abundant all over the world. The first recorded use as a medicine is by Arabian physicians in the 10th century. So it goes back pretty far. It's been around a long time, even in Arabia. So... Of course, you know, because of how abundant it is, we think of it as a weed. But instead of spraying, maybe you harvest the dandelion in, and use it for food because it is an important food source for a lot of people, actually. You, you may even find dandelion greens for sale at the grocery store or health food store. I, I know I have, I've seen that, you know, they have mustard greens and beet, you know, beet greens and, and that, and they have dandelion greens too. And the best tasting dandelion greens are the young greens. Of course, they make a very nutritious salad and can be cooked with spinach to make a pretty tasty uh, greens, cooked greens as well, put them in soup or things like that. They provide good amounts of vitamin C, vitamin A, folate, and vitamin K. And they also provide the minerals calcium, iron, magnesium, and potassium. And keep that in mind about the potassium because we're going to get back to that a little bit later in today's show. You can um, make some interesting beverages from dandelion. So people eat the leaves. And I wouldn't advise eating the stems, the latex inside. I remember using as glue as a little girl. I thought that was just really interesting how this white gluey type substance would come out. And of course, it turns brown all over your hand and it feels sticky like resin from pine trees and stuff. And in fact, there's a ton of this latex stuff in the roots, which we're going to get to as well in just a few minutes. Uh, But uh, that's eh, that's not as tasty, not, you know, not not that great. 
but um, the leaves are good. And from the flowers, people make wine. Let me tell you a little bit about that. So the wine is made by pouring a gallon of boiling water over a gallon of dandelion flowers. Okay, so you stir it up, then you cover it over with some cheesecloth or some other somewhat porous fabric, enough to keep insects and dirt out, but uh, porous enough that some of the airborne yeast and bacteria can get in. Uh, So you put that over it, and you just let it sit there for about three days, which is about what you do for other fermented types of drinks. So about three days, and then you strain out the flowers, and you boil it down for about a half an hour, and you add in about three and a half pounds of sugar, a little bit of ginger, a little bit of orange zest, a little bit of lemon, and then... After you cool all that off and um, it's, it's cooled off enough that you can add some other things without killing it, then you're going to add a little bit of yeast. And it, it helps if you kind of float it in there on a, a little square of toast that, of course, it will soak, th- will be soaked through from the liquid. You put put the little bit of yeast on there, put it put it in the liquid, and then you cover it over again and let it stand for a couple more days. You'll see it kind of froth like yeast mixtures do. And when it stops frothing and stuff, then it is about ready and you're going to strain out um, any of the solids, of course, and put it in some kind of a cask, a, you know, corked bottle, whatever. And then you let it sit there for a couple of months. And after that, you have dandelion wine. So that is sort of the secret recipe uh, for that. It's kind of a sweeter wine. Remember I said that it, the flowers do have a nectar that the bees really like. So that's one thing that people do with the flowers from dandelion, dandelion wine. And another drink that you can make from dandelion is made from the roots. Now, lots of things are made from the roots. That's where the medicine is. And, um, but, but people do make coffee from dandelion root. You've probably heard of coffee made from chicory root. And in fact, I think in... New Orleans, in the New Orleans area, they have chicory coffee, which is delicious. <laughs> um, a cafe Le Monde, you know. Um, so uh, you can make coffee from the dandelion root, especially when maybe the regular coffee grounds are harder to find, which has happened uh, during war times and stuff when people were forced to make coffee from other things. So to make the dandelion coffee, you're going to uh, dry the root 
Okay, so you clean it, you dry it, usually in some kind of dehydrator or something like that. And then you're going to slightly roast the roots. Slightly roast it until it kind of looks like coffee. And then you're going to grind it up so it's about the consistency of coffee grounds. And you could use it like coffee. Uh, it's kind of weak and can be improved by adding some real coffee, of course. Maybe you add also a little bit of some other kinds of flavorings that people like to use. And that's, you know, you put a little um, vanilla extract in there or something like that. Um, but people do use ground dandelion root as coffee. Now, using dandelion medicinally, it's usually you prepared as a tea or a tincture. It's not really used as a salve or poultice or any of those kinds of things. It's usually drunk as a tea, which uh, is, you know, just like any other kind of tea, uh, or it's used internally. So the recommendation is uh, that it's mostly made from two-year-old roots when making the tincture. So dandelion has historically been used mostly for kidney and liver conditions. It has been said that it clears obstructions in the kidneys and in the gallbladder and helps the liver get rid of toxins in the body. So, and it's useful in urinary tract infections and cases of jaundice, things like that. And dandelion can act as a powerful diuretic. But most, di while most diuretics can flush potassium out of the body, because dandelion is high in potassium, it provides potassium while it's used as a diuretic. So that's kind of cool. And recently, some recent research shows that uh, dandelion root extract can be helpful for patients with certain forms of cancer. They have tested it for a variety of different things. Some are um, lymphomas, breast cancer, myelomas, uh, different things. And it does show some activity against cancer cells, which is encouraging for uh, future use as medicine. And some other studies show that dandelion is effective against viruses. I, they tested it against influenza virus, and it was very helpful. So those are encouraging, and they're continuing to study dandelion for other applications as well. Dandelion has also been used as a, as a tonic for the liver, just as a general way to keep the liver healthy, the liver and the kidneys healthy. However, it can cause allergic reactions in some people. So it, it's good to be careful about that. 
And some people with type 2 diabetes may experience some negative side effects from using it. Uh, it has been known to interact with some medications. So be careful and um, remember that what you hear in this podcast is for educational purposes. Um, I am not diagnosing, treating, curing, preventing any illness that you may have. So you're using this information uh, at your own discretion. And no matter what, though, even if uh, you may suffer from allergies or diabetes or some other illness, you can still eat the greens as a healthy salad. So that is always okay, no matter what you may have going on otherwise. So that's what I have for you today. Next week, we are going to tune in for another weed. So tune in then to hear about red clover. Bye-bye. And make sure that you connect with me at Facebook, on Facebook, at Julie Naturally. So you can make sure that you don't miss any of the blog posts, podcasts, or other things that are going on. Thank you for listening to my podcast. Show notes for today's broadcast can be found at crunchychristianpodcast.com. Hit the subscribe button now so you can join me next week. Until then, remember all you need is God, people, and growing things. God bless. God bless.